The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the show. It is uh, time to go. Help at employmentlawyer.ca anytime during the show. You got your phone, you want to scroll around and check it out, uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, absolutely free and anonymous website, tons of employment law information on there, and uh, you can contact through the website as well. If not, just uh, just lurk for a little while, get the information, shut down your browser, nobody knows you are ever there. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Going to get going on the uh, biggest mistakes that employers make because they just don't know any better. We'll get to that, pal. Welcome once again. What do you got going on for the week that was? Uh, what don't I have going on, John? <laughs> uh, certainly a, a very busy week dealing with a, a variety of employment law issues, employment law questions and problems. But that's okay because that's my job. That's what I do, and that's what I want to do for the next uh, little while here on the show. So give us a call with your questions, your workplace problems. Give me an opportunity to talk to you and help you and hopefully solve some of those issues. Uh, I, I know that there's a lot of issues. These are stressful times. Uh, but there are solutions, certainly when it comes to our jobs. There are solutions when it comes to our workplace problems. If we lost our job or are off work and want to know how long we're going to be off work, yeah. maybe it's a situation where we're concerned that our, our compensation is changing, our hours are going away. Well, if you want to talk about what that means for you, for your friends, for your family, well, don't be bashful. Now's the time. Pick up the phone. Let's talk about it. Let me solve the, your your problems. But to get us started, Johnny, week that was, a couple situations that I've dealt with uh, very, very recently. First one I'll tell you about, I spoke with a gentleman who had been working uh, at the same company for two years, and for those two years, he's always worked the night shift. Now, that worked very well for him because uh, he had a small child that he took care of, so he had allowed him to be home during the day and make sure that his kid you know, does, does his schoolwork and, and you know gets fed and all the stuff that a parent has to do. Well, he recently found out that his employer decided that, uh, no, he's going to now change to day shifts. They decided that they need other people with other skills on the night shift, so he's going to move to a day shift. Well, other than the fact that you know his whole life was built around the fact that he was working night shift, he still has a child that he has to care for. Uh, so he, he talked to his employer, and they said, yeah, we understand it. We feel bad, but not much we could do. So, you know, we're going to give you a couple weeks' time to f- make arrangements. But beyond that, you got to go work uh, day shift. So he called me, and he wanted to know, you know, what are my options? Well, there's two things here. First of all, an employer does not have a right uh, his employer does not have a right to change him from night shift to day shift. That's a massive change. That's the type of change an employer cannot make, and it's a, it's a type of change that results in a constructive dismissal. Remember, your employer does not have a right to make significant changes to the terms of your employment. And in this situation, that's one of the biggest changes the employer can make. So right off the bat, if he wants to, he can treat this as a termination and get a severance. Now, beyond that, Remember the rule that an employer has to accommodate you based on your family status. What this means is if you have childcare obligations and you can't work the shift that they want you because of those legitimate obligations, your employer has to find a way to accommodate you. Here they said, well, you know, we can't do that, sorry, uh, we decided that our needs are more important. Well, again, that's a violation potentially of the human rights code. It's illegal. So not only are they constructively dismissing him, they're also breaching the human rights code. So I'm going to help them get this resolved. I'll remind the company of their obligations, and I'm pretty uh, sure that they're going to back down. 
But I wanted to remind everyone here, of course, that if you are facing significant changes to terms of employment, you're going to be owed severance if you want it. For this gentleman, that would have been about four months' pay, potentially a bit more than that. And certainly you can and should be accommodated if you have legitimate and necessary child care obligations. Your employer does have an obligation to accommodate you, and if they don't, that could be a serious legal problem. Just getting warmed up, but as always, phone calls top priority. You know, give us a call if you have a question uh, early on here. Sam, how are you? Not too bad. How are you? Good, sir. What's uh, what's on your mind? Well, my, my question is, uh, I work for a professional services uh, company, and uh, I've been there for now 20 years. I'm in my late 50s, and they're now requiring everybody in, in, in the office uh, to sign employment contracts. And, and I just don't know if I like the wording of the employment contract, but I just want to know what my rights are with respect to it. Am I required to sign the employment contract, or what's the repercussions if, if I don't? So that's an excellent question, Sam. And obviously, I haven't seen this contract, but I can tell you without seeing it that it's not good, that it's bad. Because there's only one reason where a company decides one day, you know what, today's uh, Saturday, we feel like having people sign new employment agreements. The reason they would do that is because the terms in that employment agreement are going to be a lot more beneficial to them. And I can tell you even without reading it that one of the things that it potentially does is it significantly limits your future severance. I can almost guarantee you that. So yeah, using so an example. There is wording in there that, uh, that they, they limit it to whatever the ESA minimum so, is. So let, let me tell you exactly what that means. Let's say that you sign this and then let's fast forward six months from now. They let you go, which they're allowed to do. At that point, they could potentially pay you only eight weeks pay. If you hadn't signed that, they would have to pay you about two years' pay. So you could be losing here nearly two years of pay just with that one section. But to your specific question about what you can do, you have no obligation to sign this document. In fact, I would suggest to you that you'd be silly to sign it if you'd be giving up these rights. Now, can they let you go? They can, but they would have to pay you that severance. So for you, if they decide, well, uh, Sam, you didn't sign the agreement, so we're letting you go, Okay, they can do that, but they'd have to pay you somewhere between 20 to 24 months' pay. And that's probably better than signing it, then losing your job, and then, of course, once you've done that, uh, you, you've lost a lot of money. Does that make sense, Sam? Yeah, yeah no, that, that makes it a lot of sense. I, I've listened to your program a lot, and, and I know that you've talked about employment contracts, and, and all I can remember is the, the advice was never sign one, more or less, because it was never in your favor. It's never in your favor. And, and you've already, just even on your own, identified some problem terms there. I'm happy to look at it for, for you if you want, but I'm pretty darn sure that my advice is going to be the same. Do not sign. Right. Great. No, thank you very much. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate your call. See, he's already learned already. Watch a couple shows, and he's got the lingo down. So, uh, Sam, if you want to reach out for sure, do it. one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca if you want to send that uh, potential contract along. To Leor, moving down the uh, the phone calls here. Get to Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Thanks for standing by. How are you? Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, I am apparently, according to my HR department, on an infectious disease emergency leave, and therefore am not entitled to a constructive dismissal claim. And I just wanted to confirm that that is accurate. Uh, that is completely inaccurate. Now, Cindy, you're not part of a union. I'm not. Okay, so no, you. So all the the infectious disease leaves uh, leave means from a practical standpoint is that if you choose 
to give the company the opportunity to, to, to wait, then they can wait potentially until September of next year. But that's only if you choose to give them that right. The other option that you have is you absolutely, if you want to, can treat the, this leave, this layoff as a termination, as a constructive dismissal, and get severance. So you absolutely have that option. And, and by the way, I'm not blaming your employer for saying to you what they said. A lot of employers are very confused by this. The government has not done a very good job in explaining what this means to, to employers. So they may well believe that you, you have no other options, but you do. So you can choose to wait, and unfortunately, you could be waiting until September 2021, or you can choose to treat it now as a termination, or tomorrow, or next week, or next month, uh, whenever you decide, uh, and get your severance. Yeah, my contract's up uh, December 31st, so I'm glad I uh, I called then, so I can possibly take action before that expires, and then I guess at that point, I'm not uh, entitled to anything after that. Well, we obviously want to look at that contract, and I wouldn't wait on this, Cindy. You're absolutely right. So I want you to reach out to me as soon as possible. Let's have that discussion. Uh, but you, what they told you is, is absolutely wrong. Cindy, appreciate the call. Another one down. We'll, uh, we'll take a short break here, get to more of your calls. It's really, really crucial that you call in even for a minute or two and get some information, get pointed in the right direction for emails. We'll get to those if we have time a little later on. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And anytime you want more information on your own, it's like having a pocket employment lawyer on your phone all times, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's Employment Law Show right here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Coming up here, biggest mistakes that employers make because they just don't know any better. Mark, thanks for uh, for hanging on there for a couple minutes. How are you? Hey, how are you, John? Good, sir. What's on your mind? I have a couple of questions, you know, uh, but the one relating to me is, so I go and call once a month. I don't get a call. I don't get paid. So I'm stuck at the phone. I can't make plans. And my employer is pretty decent, but I just don't think it's right that, you know, my weekend's stuck at the phone and I receive no benefit for it. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's not something that uh, I would like and most people would like either. Unfortunately, uh, at some point last year, I think it was, the conservative government made some changes uh, that, that allowed this to happen. Uh, before that, the liberal, gov- liberal government had changed it so you would have to get paid. But now, unfortunately, you can stay on call uh, and, not, and not get paid unless you get called in. Not, not appropriate by my <laughs> view, but ultimately, uh, yes, th- that, can, that can happen. I wasn't sure if that went through or not, but uh, of course that that one did. My other question is, when people phone in, you always say if you're in a union or not. Mm. What happens, and I understand it, uh, I was a union man for 30 years back in the day, but people, I, I wish you could touch on it more. If a union misrepresents you, then you do have something, right? Well, the only thing you can do if a union misrepresents you is to file a complaint with the uh, Ontario Labor Board against the union. Uh, It's called a a duty of fair representation complaint. That's the only thing you can do. But the problem with that, 
number one, it's not a simple process, but number two, and more importantly, those things are almost never successful, almost never. The union really would have to do something awful in order to be successful there. So as a practical matter, there's just not a lot to do if you're represented by a union and then the union is not doing what it's supposed to. It's just the practical reality. I can't represent an individual that's unionized. No lawyer can. It has to be the union. So for many people, that's really the, the answer. They can't do anything. Uh, that's a sad state of affair because uh, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. But thank you. A great show. You two uh, nail it every week. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Mark, you're, uh, you're a good fellow. Appreciate you tuning in. And, uh, by the way, if you want to reach out, any further help at employmentlawyer.ca. Mark, or one 821 5900 but here and now more phone calls wendy thanks for standing by how are you fine um i was going to say i'm in i was involved in a situation with constructive dismissal right i lost my uh hours so i quit my employment i could not afford to go to a lawyer to go after him i went to employment uh, unemployment and i was just turned away from there even though I've paid into employment for years, they said I could not uh, claim constructive dismissal. And um, they also said that uh, employment insurance is for people who get laid off or fired. So in other words, it would have been better had I got fired than to quit. And, and by the way, you that know? is by the way true. It is better to be let go than to quit, but... Wendy, let's break this down. Why did you quit? What did they do to you that resulted in constructive dismissal? They took my hours away. I was hired as full-time, and my hours were taken away. I had less than part-time. And how long ago was this? Um, almost eight years now. Oh, gosh. And I no. know I've, I've called you. I know you go after the employer. It's, it's right. not about going after the employer, but I should have still had a right to unemployment, shouldn't No, I? unfortunately, from an unemployment standpoint, all they see is that, that you've quit. They don't assess why you quit. It's pretty black and white. You either quit or, or you're let go. The, the, what had to have happened here... It doesn't matter it, the reason? What's that? And it doesn't matter why you quit? Uh, unless you can show a, a, a very compelling reason, which they're not going to really look at. If your employer says you quit, they're not going to delve into that. The problem is if, if – if, Well, it's a human rights issue too. So. Well, uh, you know, we could have and should have unfortunately deal with it back then. You could have potentially gotten severance. In fact, you would have gotten severance and EI. Because one of the things that we do is when we negotiate constructive dismissal resolutions is we negotiate a new record of employment that says you were let go. And that allows you to then get EI. I wish I could help you now, Wendy, but because it's been eight years, I, I, I cannot. This, you know, I, obviously I don't know much about your matter, but if in fact it's a situation where your hours were reduced significantly, it would not have been uh, a difficult matter to resolve. So I, I hope that, you know, everyone out there listening you take some of the lessons from this situation. If you are in a position where your hours are changed, your compensation has changed, some other big change happened to the term of your employment, you have to give us a call. You have to deal with it properly. There's not going to be any solutions, uh, any advice, any help from the government in this situation. That's simply not what they do. So uh, don't give up your rights. I wish I could help, Wendy, but after eight years, uh, there's not much that can be done now. Wendy, appreciate your call, and we're going to move on here. You want to make the call, you can do so. Phone lines are uh, are open, so so bring it on. 
biggest mistakes that employers make because they just don't know any better. This is not often through malice. It's just the fact that, like you said, they don't know any better, and it's quite often with smaller employees too, isn't it? Well, I've often been told that I, I pick on employers. Well, that's yeah. not my intention. I simply tell you what the law is and, and, and you know, things that I see. Those are facts. I don't, I don't give opinions. I give facts. And in fact, a lot of employers that make mistakes, that do things that are illegal, are not doing it because they're bad. They're not doing this because they're trying to get away with things. They may not know any better. In fact, they could be getting wrong information, like I said before, from the government. So we want to talk about some of those common mistakes that employers make, not because they're bad, because they may not know better. So we'll advise both employers and employees what to do if this situation ever happens to you. And people sometimes forget that you are an employer as well, so you understand both sides, right? I do, and I, yes. I, I also represent employers, so I really right. do get it from both sides, and I'm not ever picking on anyone. I'm just telling you the way it is. One of the mistakes or the first one that employers make will kick off the list with this. They don't understand the difference between common law and ESA employment standards. Right, so Common Law and Employment Standards Act. So let, let's be very clear. This applies to termination of employment. When you are let go, you have termination entitlements coming from two sources. One source is the Employment Standards Act that outlines your minimum entitlements, and the second source is what we call the common law that provides for the majority of your entitlements. Now, a lot of employers believe that if I let someone go, I only have to pay them what's required by the Employment Standards Act, and that is a week per year of service. And okay, there's this law, there's the statute called the Employment Standards Act. It says a week per year of service. That's all I have to pay. I'm going to pay that to the employee, and that's it. Not realizing that, no, 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 those are just the person's minimum entitlements. Their full entitlements, which could be 10 times that, are their common law entitlements. And that's when they realize after they're let go, holy cow, we actually wrongfully dismissed the individual. We owe them another $50,000 or whatever it is. So... There's that difference. That's why when you do your research online and you find the, the Ministry of Labor website, you'll read about the Employment Standards Act. You'll read that if you are let go, you get a week per year of service. Well, no, that's actually wrong. Well, it's not wrong. That's just 2% of the story. The real entitlements come from common law, which is what our courts have decided over the past 150 years. So that's why you have to remember there's that distinction that's why you have to get advice if you lose your job or if you're an employer, get advice if you're letting someone go. I created pocketemploymentlawyer.ca to allow anyone to find out their real and full termination entitlements. If you lost your job and you get a week pay per year of service, you're likely owed many, many times that amount. You got to get legal advice. Again, reaching out, 416-870-6400. If this confuses you or you want to debate or get more information, call us right now. Phone lines are, are open and ready for you. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Working our way down the list here, biggest mistakes employers make because they just don't know any better. This one might have been number three or four on a list normally prior <laughs> to March, but now this one is so far out in front is, is why we always talk about it. That is putting people on temporary, employers rather, employees on a temporary layoff. Yes, putting employees on a temporary layoff because they think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to do that. Especially now during COVID-19, you know, you, you can't look at an, uh, find an employer that hasn't had to do that. So there's an assumption that, well, I can. No, unfortunately, you can't. So an employer still does not have an automatic right to put someone on a temporary layoff. If the employer does that, the employee has the right to treat that as a termination. The employee has a right to treat that as a constructive dismissal. 
So the employer may think, okay, well, I'm going to put uh, Bob on a temporary layoff and let's see where we're at in a couple of months. In the meantime, Bob can choose to treat that layoff as a termination and make their employer pay them severance, which could be as much as two years pay. So no, you don't have an automatic right to lay off someone temporarily, despite COVID-19, despite what you may be reading online or in the paper, you don't. Now, the only time really you have that right to lay someone off temporarily is if the employee at some point signed an employment agreement that gives the employer that power. So if the employee signed an agreement that says, we have a right if we want to down the road to lay you off temporarily, then yes, the employer can do that. Most employees, almost all employees, have not signed something like this. So a temporary layoff is a termination if the employee wants it to be. An employer does not have an automatic right, and uh, many employers get this wrong. Take a quick call before we uh, we break here. Ray, thanks for taking the time. How are you? Hi, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Great. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, my question is, it's, it's, there's many questions, but this is the most important one, is like I, I didn't sign a, um, an agreement for, to, there was like a, 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 a change of employment status, and I didn't chi- uh, sign the agreement, and so I accepted the, the layoff, as it were, and I've been waiting for separation papers now for three weeks, and I haven't gotten anything. I've called a few times and sent emails, but they seem to be, it's an American-based company, so they're kind of slow on the on getting it done, or they're dragging their feet. I'm not sure. What what what's the best thing to do in that case? Well, Ray, so if you're dealing with a company that that ended the relationship with you, still haven't given you paperwork, what do you think the chances are when they do give you the the, the documents that they're actually going to pay you proper severance? I think that the chances are are, are slim to none. So I think that's not going to happen. So the, the good news is that, uh, you know, I'm a, a professional uh, pants kicker or butt kicker, meaning that I can give them a kick in the pants here to do what they're supposed to. Uh, and, and how long have you been with this company, right? Uh, almost 12 years. So you could be looking at a year's pay, even more than a year's pay. And I think the chances of this company, especially if they're based in the U.S. because they have very different laws there, the chances of them knowing offhand that they have to pay you that amount are very small. So best advice I can give you right now, let's not wait uh, and, and, and waste time. Give me a call off air. I can contact them. Number one, get you the paperwork, but properly actually negotiate severance so that you can get what you're owed. Uh, that sounds pretty good to me. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate that. And reaching out, simple, one 855 That would be the number, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Let's take a short, uh, short break. Lots more of the Employment Law Show is coming up. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back, Employment Law Shills. That is the way we do it. You can send an email as well, and that is simply help at employmentlawyer.ca. I'm going to continue on here. And uh, our biggest mistakes that employers make because, well, they just don't know any better. And they do this all the time, or at least attempt it, and that is change the terms of employment because, quote-unquote, it's their right to do so. How about that one? Yeah, th- absolutely. And, you know, employers think, well, you know, we're the employer, so yep. we get to decide you know, what the terms are. If we need to change someone's job or hours or shifts, and well, you know, it's our right. And I guess I can understand that, except that's completely 
totally wrong. No, an employer does not have a right to change those terms of employment, no more than the employee. Employee can't go in and say, well, I've decided, employer, that from now on, uh, I'm not working weekends. I'm only working during the week. Uh, so I'll see you Monday morning, right? <laughs> an empl employee can't do that. By the same token, the employer can't say, I've decided that instead of working weekdays, you're working weekends. No, th there's no right to change terms of employment. The terms are set when the employee uh, gets hired, they're, they're, or they may be set through their conduct over the years, and that cannot be changed unilaterally. So if an employer does change terms of employment, they may find themselves in a constructive dismissal situation. A constructive dismissal happens when an employer changes terms of employment in a significant way, and em the employee chooses not to accept it, and instead of that, to treat that change as a termination of employment. So an employer may not do that because they're bad or because they're trying to get away with something or hurt the employee. They're, they often do that because they think that's a natural thing. They're allowed to. I talked at the beginning of the show about the employer that changed the employee from uh, or wanted to change from night shift to day shift. I read the emails between the employer and the employee. That's not a bad employer. That's not an employer trying to hurt the employee. That's an employer that doesn't know any better. So remember the rule for employers and employees, a significant change is not something that an employer can do. The better approach is either to have an employment agreement that, that, that gives the employer that power or to speak to the employee to try to agree to something that's mutually beneficial, but a unilateral significant change is a constructive dismissal. Let's slide into a, a phone call in between here. Nick, thanks for uh, standing by. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Excellent. What's, uh, what's on your mind? Um, we just received a notification that the company is slowly merging its operation into the U.S. and will slowly close down our current company. And currently I'm a supervisor with the company, and now they're telling me that they're going to change my role and keep me on. They will not impact my salary or compensation. But listening to what Leroy said, is that considered constructive dismissal if they completely alter my position as being a supervisor now being a non-supervisor? So essentially, you have uh, managerial responsibilities, and those are going to be eliminated. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, that is a constructive dismissal, or at least it would give rise to a constructive dismissal when it happens. So uh, once it happens, so there's not much you could do about that uh, in advance. So if they tell you down the road we're going to do that, if you were to leave right now, that would be considered a, just a regular resignation, and you wouldn't be entitled to anything. But when it actually happens, when they say, okay, uh, uh, Nick, effective Monday, you're no longer a supervisor, at that point, yes, you have the option to either accept the change and continue working, or you'd have the option to treat that as a constructive dismissal and get severance. That, that would be your decision. Uh, and and you, can, you can even take it out for, uh, John here says to take it out for a spin, meaning you can try it out for a couple of weeks just to see if you like it, if it's manageable, if it's something you're comfortable with. I wouldn't do it more than a couple of weeks. But if after a couple of weeks still you decide, no, it's not for me, you'd have the option to treat that as a constructive dismissal. The, the situation that I'm facing right now is that I've been approached and been advised that the change will be happening, but they want an answer by Monday. Can they force you to give a decision by Monday? And if you don't accept, if you don't give them a decision by Monday, is that considered a resignation? No, it's not. So if you tell them, uh, uh, if you tell them on Monday you're not doing it, that, sorry, I'm, I'm not accepting, Here's what could happen. Option one is maybe they, they back off and they find a way to keep you as a supervisor, maybe. Option number two is they may say, okay, then you're gone today, in which case they'd have to pay you severance now. Option number three is they may say, okay, then you're gone, effective, whatever the date is in the future. 
but either way, it's not a resignation, uh, and, and you'd be out severance either way, any way you slice it. So if I say to them, I still require time or I'm not accepting the change in the role, it's not considered a resignation. Absolutely not. It is not a resignation. Uh, and if you lose your job as a result of saying no, that's a termination, meaning you're owed your severance. Okay, so if I'm a supervisor in a managerial role, just if I'm understanding correctly, sorry for repeating myself, Sure. and the chick significantly changed and altered my role, that would be considered constructive dismissal, regardless if they don't affect my pay. Absolutely, yes. Even with the same pay, it would be a constructive dismissal. It's a demotion, right? A demotion like that would be a constructive dismissal, absolutely. Okay, I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Nick, appreciate uh, appreciate the phone call. It's, it's smart to be thorough like that. By the way, you're going to want to reach out, I would imagine, sometime to Lior or a member of his team. Here's how, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Nick in one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. You know, a lot of people listening are going to go say, yeah, I, I guess it sounds like a demotion, but, you know, when, when push comes to shove, he's making the same money. Why would he care? I mean, he's still got a job. They're going to continue his employment, and he's still making the same coin. Why is it a big issue? Well, I mean, he could care, number one, because it, it is a demotion and it, there's, a, there's a prestige that comes with being a supervisor and, and you lose some stature within the workplace if you're demoted. But it, it's even more practical than that. So, so now, let's say you want to look for another job down the road, you're going to put on your resume that you were not a supervisor most recently. So that could impact your ability to get supervisor roles down the road. So this could actually impact your career. And bottom line is, it's a change. And the deal is this. The deal is that he is a supervisor. He is a manager. The company is changing the, the deal for whatever reason. That, I'm not saying that they're bad people for doing that, but they're changing the deal. So that is still a constructive dismissal. Would they, if, if he allowed them to make this change, said, okay, fine, I'll be a subordinate. He's allowed that change now. Can they now change his pay since he's allowed that one change or no? So they wouldn't be able to change his pay because he allowed the one change, but they could potentially change his role again, potentially demote him to a, even a, a lower position or, or, or put him in a different role completely because he opened the door to the change to job. So they wouldn't be able to touch his pay if just by virtue of him accepting, but that could still open the door to other changes that he's going to find completely unacceptable. You still got time to uh, to make a call here if you want to uh, ask your questions. It's just that simple. So much information can be had over a simple phone call during the uh, the hour of this show. Biggest mistakes that employers make because they just don't know any better. Uh, again, we talked about temporary layoffs, how that's come into the spotlight under uh, COVID nineteen, and this one's probably right behind it. That is not accommodating medical conditions. Yeah, and you know, again, some employers when they don't accommodate may be completely insensitive or uncaring, but some employers may simply and often don't understand their obligation. Say, okay, well, this employee was hired to do this particular job. Now they need accommodation. They can't do this job. They can do something else. Well, you know, that's their issue. We'll have them on a sick leave until they're uh, they're ready to come back to work. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. Our human rights laws make it very, very clear that an employer has a duty to accommodate uh, if there's a medical condition, for example. So maybe you have uh, a need for modified duties or modified hours. Maybe you need to work from home for medical reasons for a period of time. As long as you have that doctor's support and the doctor says in writing that you have that need, then your employer has to find a way to accommodate. They can't ignore it. They can't say, well, that's too much. That's too hard. Uh, they need to do it. Now, of course, if it's if it's that difficult, yes, an employer may not have to go that far if it costs a lot of money and it completely changes their workplace. 
But short of that, an employer does have to accommodate. And if they don't, that's a human rights violation. Let's take a short break, and we'll get right back to it. Biggest mistakes that employers make because they just don't know any better. That's on the way. More of it. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Biggest mistakes employers make because they just don't know any better. We'll get to a few more of those talking points after we get to the uh, priority of calls. Doug, thanks for standing by. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. What's uh, what's on your mind? Well, I'll give you my scenario. Um when COVID hit back in March, uh, I worked at a car dealership, a privately owned, uh, pre-owned car dealership, and we did the two-week shutdown or how many ever weeks it was. I don't recall at the time that it was mandatory. Um, I've never been called back. The shop is up and running. My position was terminated. Uh, have you heard officially from your employer about the termination? Yes. Okay. And how long did you work there for? Well, this I was only there three years. Okay, that's fine. And what have they paid you or, or offered you in terms of severance? They haven't paid me anything. Uh, when uh, I went off, I uh, I applied for. They sent in my record of employment. Um, that was before CERB had been established and everything. So I assumed I was going to go on EI for a while, uh, but I started on the CERB. Um, it's run its course. I'm now on EI. And uh, I haven't really had any contact with them other than to say I wasn't coming back. And, Doug, how old are you? I'm 57. So you're, you're owed four to five months' pay. That's the, the, from a legal standpoint, the issue here is not so much that they're not bringing you back. That, that's not nice, of course, but legally they can do that as long as they pay severance. So severance for you is in the four to five-month range. So that's okay. what we need to get you here. The good news is uh, this is not uh, going to be difficult. I've dealt with hundreds of car dealerships over the years. I'm, I know exactly what needs to be done. Not a complicated right. thing. So what I want you to do, Doug, is I want you to reach out to me uh, off air. Let's uh, have a chat, and I'll help you get the compensation that you're owed. Uh, there's no reason or point to wait on that. Okay. And what's the number then to call you at? going to give it to you right now, Doug, so uh, grab a pen or a pencil or uh, your phone. It's 1-855-821-5900. Again, pal, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. going to move on. Uh, Uday, hello. How are you? Hey. What's up? Yeah, well, I've been, as I told you, I've been working for nine and a half years at a retail commission-based job. Mm-hmm. And uh, from March, we were asked to stay at home, and of course, the company was giving, giving us uh, compensation. From the month of June, June 21st onwards, we went into CERB till the end of uh, July, I mean August, and from September, I am on EI. And yesterday, I was given, a, I was called by my management and given a termination notice, which they emailed me the letter, and they've given me a severance uh, package. I just wanted to know, since I put in the nine and a half years of service, uh, what am I uh, entitled for a severance uh, and uh, whether what the company is giving is the right uh, amount or uh, 
I just wanted to know, get better advice from you. Perfect. Now, you, you've been there for nine plus years. What kind of a job and how old are you? I'm 61. Okay, and what were you doing there? I was selling ma mattresses. I was selling sleep solutions to the customers. I got it. I was, okay. So someone in your situation would be owed right around 10 months pay. Uh, what have they offered you? They have offered me 23480 No, in terms of weeks or months? They haven't mentioned. They have just given an amount. I have asked for some clarification, but I have not yet got it yet. Okay. So on average, what is your yearly salary? How much do you make a year gross uh, approximately? Anyway, because it's a commission base, it can sure. vary from uh, 38 to 42. So let's use the average, 40,000 uh, 40, a year. So uh, 10 months, I don't know, somewhere around $35,000 or so. So that's what, what you wrote, around $35,000. So if they give you 23, well, that's, uh, you know, about 50% almost less than or 40% less than what you wrote. Okay. So, so that, because it's based on your average earnings. So if you make on average 40,000 a year, 10 months, again, I, I don't have my calculator, but probably around thirty-five or so uh, $1,000. Uh, and so that's what you wrote. Uh, let me let me give you the or give me the opportunity to help you. I want you to reach out to me off air. I will give you that information right now, and I'll help you get it. It's not going to be difficult. There's no reason to take twelve thousand dollars less than what you wrote. Uday, appreciate the uh, phone call. Here is that uh, that information. Write it down. Use it. Keep it. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer. .ca. That's uh, that's how we roll. Biggest mistakes employers make because they just don't know any better. I love this one. Believing that and, and people, not only employers, employees, most people in the workforce think this as well. Believing that probationary periods are assumed. Absolutely. That's a mistake that I see all the time. So, you know, we just hired an employee and he's been with us for two and a half months. So we're going to let him go. We're not thinking, we don't think it's a, a perfect match. So because he's been with us less than three months, we can just let him go and pay him nothing. A no, not so fast. There's no such thing as an automatic probationary period. It cannot be assumed. A probationary period has to be created in an employment agreement. So an employee is only on probation if they signed an agreement that specifically says you're on probation. And usually that probation cannot last for more than three months. So if you're on probation and it, the agreement says you can be let go during that period of time without any compensation, then yes, your employer can let you go in the first three months and not pay you any severance. But if it doesn't say that, or if you never signed that document, even if you're let go after two months pay, you are owed severance. And depending on your age and the type of job that you did and a few other factors, that could, be, that could mean months pay. So you could have worked for two months and could be owed two months pay or four months or five months pay. So employers don't, don't understand that and they realize, wait a second, after the fact that this person has worked with us for two and a half months, we have to pay them three months severance? Well, yeah, potentially you do. Hmm. So uh, that's a mistake that's very common. Employers sometimes get this wrong. So now you know better if you're an employee or an employer. There's no such thing as an automatic probationary period. It has to be part of an employment agreement. If there is one and you're at the end of the three months, can they extend it? So generally speaking, the period of time during which the company can let you go without any severance 
cannot be more than three months. Gotcha. That would be a breach of the Employment Standards Act. So as a practical matter, no. A probationary period can only be three months. Anything longer than that, it becomes meaningless. So if you are let, let go after two months, three months, eight months, yeah, your severance entitlements can be significant. And remember, a, a short service employee gets disproportionately more severance than a longer service employee. And that'll do it for uh, another day. You want to reach out, do so. Don't uh, don't even hesitate. one 821 5900 the number, help at employmentlawyer.ca. You can always use the website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And if you haven't caught our TV show yet, you'll want to catch that 30-minute uh, televisual feast anytime you can do so. <laughs> that is employmentlawyer.ca as well. Have a uh, wonderful rest of your weekend. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.